0: Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Lekaitis.
1: Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 409 with Jesse Newton. Jesse's talking about how to crush complexity to bring about simplicity and enjoy the benefits that it yields. So you'll learn one. The five factors that drive organizational complexity. Two, some key questions that clarify what's truly important. And three, the communication mistake that people make when they try to simplify work. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to items we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep409. And here's Jesse's story. Jesse Newton is the author of Simplify Work, Crushing Complexity to Liberate Innovation, Productivity, and Engagement. He's the founder and CEO of Simplify Work, a global management consulting firm that helps organizations throw off the shackles of debilitating complexity and reignite top performance. His clients include McDonald's and PepsiCo. And prior to launching Simplify Work, Newton was a senior member of Booz & Co.'s Organization Change and Leadership Consulting Practice. And he also spent a number of years consulting around the world with Ernst & Young's People in Organizational Change Practice. Big thanks to Jesse for sharing his wisdom with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free Here is Jesse. Jesse, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to connect and talk about some of my work. I'm excited too, and I was
1: intrigued to learn that only a few people know that you are a New Zealander. How is this <laughs> the case? Do they assume it's Australia, or, or what happens?
2: Well, people see that I'm I'm living here in Chicago, and um, and so you know they make the automatic assumption that I'm American, and then. When I start talking, they immediately realise that that's not a Chicago accent, and um, and then to your point, they automatically automatically go to Australia or England. They even get South Africa, and then people are totally stumped. <laughs> I have to say, well, there is another country in that part of the world, and um, New Zealand is it. So, so I've been over here for ten years, and um, it's been a fun ride, but but still, as you can tell, have not been able to let go of the accent.
1: Well, don't ever let go of it. I think it's fun. And I think it will serve you well in many regards. I had a great manager at Bain who was a New Zealander, Blair Nelson, great dude. He would explain why they call Kiwis and we're not talking about the fruit. We're talking <laughs> about, and we'd go through that. And so I don't know, what's your take on Flight of the Concords with Brett and Jermaine and what they've done for the New Zealand image?
2: It's funny. You know, there are a couple of, shows and movies that have done incredible things for New Zealand's image, at least from an awareness standpoint, you know? So you've got The Flight of the Concords, Massive Success, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. I mean, people think that New Zealand is a land where there are goblins and wizards and dragons cruising around, and, you know, just sort of adds to uh, people's interest, I guess, in the place. But it's funny, a couple of shows have really um, raised the awareness, especially here in America, of New Zealand. hmm Well, we saw Brett and
1: Jermaine live when they were at Millennium Park in Chicago, and that was fun. So so yeah, I think in addition to all these goblins and creatures, it's a land of hilarity and very creative music. So we'll give you that one, too.
2: I'll take it. I was actually at that performance, too. I thought it was a little fun. Oh, no,
1: good. (laughs) Well, we could have been in the beer line together, and we wouldn't even known it. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Well, so your latest work, you got a book here. Simplify, work, what's the big story behind this one?
2: Well, um, like yourself, I, I have a management consulting background and um, I've been lucky enough to work all around the world and with over 100 organizations. And basically, every company that I've been exposed to has really battled with this with complexity. So people getting stuck and just meeting overloads and reporting to multiple managers and trying to keep on top of emails and just unclear global matrices where people have no clue who's responsible for what. Um, and it inevitably results in people um, getting sucked into this complexity, losing focus of those few strategic priorities um, and becoming very reactive, becoming reactive firefighters. Um, people just get stuck in this ongoing uh, repetitive process of coming in and going through the motions versus being very clear about what's truly important, most important, and really um, prioritizing time, energy, and focus on those few things that matter most. And so um, the experiences coupled with a ton of research um, really led me to, to write the book and I really am hugely energized by it. I think there's just a, a ton of opportunity for organizations to let go of all those things that are getting in their way to really you know, liberate you know, the best thinking in their people, um, liberate innovation and, and also employee engagement. You know, people don't like coming in and having to spend a huge tract of their week, you know, doing administrative tasks or, you know, having to submit expenses or spend half the year doing budgeting. Um, you know, they want to come into work and feel energized and passionate about, you know, the the really interesting creative opportunities they get to focus on and deliver and a real impact on the business. Um and that's done through, you know, careful design um both from an organization um as well as looking individually at what we can do to, to help to crush complexity.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so I'd love to hear, you said you did lots of research. Could you unveil some of the most compelling research that suggests just what's at stake or what's possible in terms of the scale of how bad and evil and toxic <laughs> complexity is, or the scale of just how amazing of a difference it makes when you arrive at that simplicity?
2: Um, sure. There are a couple of little sort of statistics. You know, There was a, a piece of there's some surveys, some research done by the Boston Consulting Group, um, a few years ago, and something like 73% of organizations classified their operations as overly complex. I and mean, then coupled with that, from an employee engagement standpoint, um, there was a statistic that I think Deloitte did, uh, or there's some research that Deloitte did that drove to a statistic, a statistic on, you know, 80% of employees being Not engaged, not actively disengaged, but just, you know, just like disengaged, but not actively disengaged. So basically, people are coming in, they're checking out, they're going through the motions, not really, um, coming in energized and, and ready to put in all of their effort and focus and capabilities into the job. And so, um, unpicking that, you know, and connecting that with this complexity piece, there's just this, gigantic opportunity you know, for companies to, to take a, a blank piece of paper and rethink how work is managed in their companies. Um, and then look, looking into the common sources of complexity, there's five things. So we look at strategy, uh, structure, we look at process, system, and culture. And so each of these important elements of, a, of an organization um, really fuel uh, organizational complexity within the business and happy to talk about those a bit more. Um, but then the other important piece is that it, we individually also are responsible for driving complexity as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, could you maybe give us an example of an organization or some individuals in an organization that were just crushed by the complexity? They weren't crushing the complexity, they were crushed <laughs> by the complexity. And what that look sounds feels like in practice in terms of their experience and productivity and how they came out on the other side and what the new world looks like.
2: Absolutely. So I've got one direct experience, one of the three ex- examples, and then another one that is from research. The first is from a, an organization that I consulted with um, recently in the last two years. It's a global consumer packaged goods organization. And... They were really battling with the perks. They are working within their commercial function. So sales and marketing. They had really high paid global experts spending a huge tract of their week, you know, doing those administrative tasks. And I mentioned earlier the, uh, the expense processing, the budgeting. Um, and basically we getting more and more angry and disconnected with the company because of their, their lack of time, um, to do the most important things. Um, and interestingly, you know, w- during this, this project, um, they were hit by this huge global cyber attack. And, you know, the entire organization, uh, um, went down. So people could not connect to the internet. They couldn't connect to their, their email or their calendar, um, which meant that they couldn't attend, um, any meeting, all, or, all or calls, all, or, Uh, communications were were driven online. And so this outage lasted for a couple of weeks. And then when we reconnected, um, and in discussions with, you know, these leaders across the marketing and sales functions, I was gobsmacked when I heard that they actually felt incredibly liberated during the, the outage. You know, they said for the first time in a very long time, They didn't need to attend all of these extraneous meetings. They didn't have to produce all of these extra reports and fill in templates and um, navigate through all these different sort of email chains. Instead, they were able to think about, all right, which individuals do I need to connect with directly to drive my most important priorities? And so they picked up phones and scheduled face-to-face meetings. Um, Salespeople went out and... Connected, reconnected with key clients and, and, um, closed deals and and built relationships. And so when they came back, um, I was very surprised to hear that. And so coming out of that, we can let's take, take this as an example of how complexity comes to life within this particular function. And then let's be very, get very specific about those specific things that are getting in your way. So let's do an inventory of, the, the meetings that you attend, and it's get yeah, very clear on the different reports that you need to fill in, and the templates you need to fill in. You know how much time are you spending on each of these different activities, and then let's be very um, creative in how we remove those things or redesign. You know how you get your, your your work done so that those other extraneous things are minimized, or handed to a different group, um, or you know other ways of basically helping them to, to get more focused on those most important priorities. Mm, very cool. Thank you. And the second piece was was um was Apple. You know, there's a great example of when Steve Jobs re-entered Apple uh in ninety seven. Um you know he's he was he's famously um focused on simplicity and you see that in the design of the products. But organizationally he also drove simplicity and so when he joined, rejoined Apple there was something like 26 products at Apple and then he did a review of of these different products and you know, Apple's strategy at the time was, well let's, we need to have a a product in in every um, industry segment and so let's have a, we need to have a presence there because you know, we're a top leading IT company. Uh, When he joined and did the review he funneled that down to about I think it was six products, so from 26 to six. And the focus shifted from presence in all of these different, um, industry segments to let's make the best products, um, that are going to change the world. And so that, um, transition to a few enabled the organization to focus. Um, and so his guiding orientation around, um, Focus on, and then top quality really drove that transformation of Apple, which then you know, has led to the company becoming incredibly successful. So a couple of quite different examples there on the power of that simple focus.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so could you orient us then? You've got five sort of drivers of complexity. If you were trying to bring about some simplicity, you know, where would you start? Or since you're a good consultant, you know all about the eighty twenty principle in action, what would you say are the biggest drivers that really give you a, a whole lot of bang for your buck with regard to getting that simplification going with a modest amount of
2: effort? Sure, sure. Um, the approach can be distilled into, into three simple steps. You know, really, the, and the first is you've got to get clear on what's most important. And this could apply to an organization, it could apply to a a function, a team or an individual, um, that, that first focus on, okay, let's take a step back and think about what are the true priorities, um, you know, what are the few things that are going to deliver the greatest impact? And I think that's critical and it has to be there because without it, you know, you can't effectively prioritize, you can't say no to things without that clear understanding of, of strategic priorities. And so I would say that that first step is, is critical. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how do you do that well? Well, it depends on, on what part of the organization you're focusing on or whether it's individual. Um, but, you know, so if you're an, an organizational level, it's, it's, it's strategy. So, which, which products are winning? Uh, which services are winning? Um, you know, where is the organization going to win in the future? Um, it's those types of questions. You know, what are our best capabilities? How is the market evolving? Um, general, you know, strategy, strategy questions that you would expect at that level. Um, at an individual level, you know, so that someone sitting within a function, it's, you know, what are my priorities, what are the group's priorities for the year and how does that translate to me? Um, how can I deliver the greatest impact uh, relative to those group-level priorities as well as the organizations? Um, and then we backwards from that. So it's sort of answering those sorts of questions. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and could you offer a few more sort of sub-questions, if you will, with regard to zeroing in on you know the group's biggest priorities and how you arrive at those i guess sometimes the group knows it and they tell you and sometimes they don't and it takes a little bit more work to get there and then at your own level you know thinking about how you can make the biggest level of impact that bubbles up to the group do you have any extra favorite
2: clarifying questions like um you know are you clear on a company's strategy mission and values what is the purpose of your role how do you contribute to the business's success what are your priorities i mean i i list out a, a number of those types of questions within each of the areas. What, what I think would be more valuable to sort of get to your question is there's categories um, to focus on at the individual level, um, which I talk about in the back end of the book. And, and those are really around, you know, how do I reduce clutter? Um, how do I um, get clear on what's most important for me individually? How do I um, stop Interruptions and distractions. Um, you know, how do I really nurture my own energy, um, and how do I optimize email meetings, uh, and meetings and plan effectively? So, those types of questions, I think, you know, given the context of this podcast, would, you know, would be quite helpful.
1: Oh, absolutely! I love them all. Let's take into each of them. How do we reduce the clutter? What have you found
2: to be some best practices? Yeah, for sure, and. Um, so from a clutter perspective, it's it's everything from look at your desk. You know, is your desk covered in paper? You know, spent take time to to get your desk clear. Um, look at your filing cabinet. Uh, you know, I used to be one of these people where um I would put documents away um that I think I'd get back to or that I think might be useful. But when you actually go through and, and do a a review of all the paperwork you've got in the filing cabinet, You could probably get rid of 75% of it, which was certainly my experience, which is massively liberating. You know, just the, just having a clear desk, having a clear filing cabinet enables you to think more clearly. And and likewise with all of the documentation on your, on your laptop, on your hard drive. Um, is it a spaghetti of different folders with with numerous documentation? You know, go through and actually cull all those things, uh, that you don't use and, and make it really clear. Um, how to access the, the bits of information you use all the time. And so clutter, um, is a big deal. I'd also encourage people to, to look at like clutter in their own personal environment, you know, go into your wardrobe and look at your clothing. And, you know, I still also have shirts that I would think I would wear at some point, but never actually did. And so just get rid of it. There's, there's a lot of value behind this whole, this minimalism movement that has um, become quite popular. You know, it is very liberating to, uh, to get rid of all of the extra unnecessary stuff. And then, um, you know, this, this getting clear on what's most important at the individual level, it's two, there's two parts of it. So obviously we talked a little bit about work and, you know, your role within the organization. But what I say in the book and what I encourage is that get really clear on what's most important to you, um, you know, from a personal perspective. And so whether it's family or health, or religion or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but get clear on both, both your personal and then, uh, work priorities and then organize your time around it so that you're optimized for both. So you're, you're basically, um, focusing all the time that you have during the day and week, um, on those activities that are most important to you, which leads into the third piece around planning, you know, uh, probably one of the, the greatest things that an individual can do to crush complexity is to plan effectively. Um, you know, be very disciplined about your calendar and carving out time, um, you know, to, to think and to collaborate, to respond to emails, to, um, to attend the most important meetings. Um, but then also spend time with kids or do you know, whatever you want from a health perspective, et cetera, et cetera. So being very disciplined about managing a calendar is also very really important um the avoiding distractions and interruptions. You know, we are so, our phones are like magnets. We're just drawn to the phones. We've, we've built these habits around needing to check our phones every, you know, few seconds, let alone minutes. And, um, during the day, if you're, if you're trying to do something that requires deep thinking, um, you know, work that is innovative or if you're trying to solve some problem, um, it really impacts your productivity when you're, you're being interrupted uh, by, by a WhatsApp message or a Facebook post or a LinkedIn message. Um, and it takes energy to regain that deep focus. And so one of the suggestions is, you know, be very clear about when you do your best work or um, how much time you think it's going to take to produce a piece of work that requires that deep thinking. And then shut off. All the distractions and interruptions. Turn off your browser. Even turn off your email. You know, put your phone upside down and put it on silent, but allow yourself to really focus uh, on that most important activity. Um, optimizing email and meetings is another one. Um, you know, from an email perspective, one of the causes of people becoming overly reactive is just the needing to respond to the latest fire or then having to keep up with these huge email changes. Um, and one suggestion is you know, one email, one action. So don't just uh, continue to, to manage email during the day. Carve out time um, to manage email during the during the day. So it could be every two hours or every three hours or whatever it may be. Um, but they, they don't allow email to continue to interrupt you during important words. And then when you're dealing with it, um, act on it in the moment. You know, if you can respond, uh, immediately, do so. If you think the email is going to require more time, um, whatever it may be, then, then create that time in the calendar and be disciplined about going back to that. Um, but one of the things, you know, that, contributes to people becoming overwhelmed is that they lose track of all these different emails that they're supposed to respond to and they forget about some and, you know, they, they become increasingly reactive versus in control. Um, and then meetings, things, you know, really question whether you need the team, the need the team you know, be, and, um, you know, have the conversations with the team and the managers around, um, optimizing the time and, um, you know, when you're really clear on what's most important for you in your role, you can be a lot more um, deliberate around what meetings you attend, and you can say no to things because you're, you're you know you're very clear on your top priorities. So that piece you know, is uh, is important. And then finally, nurture and protect your energy. You know, I don't want to sound too philosophical or um, like a Buddhist monk, but I mean, there's a lot of um, value in meditation. Um, I think. The whole idea of human energy is going to become a more of a buzzword in the next couple of years because we're increasingly discovering um that our our energy is key to performance you know and, and having little mindfulness moments at work you know give you shots of clarity and energy it, it helps to really elevate thinking and consciousness so you don't get stuck um you know worrying about the minutia uh, getting caught reacting to things it helps you know, reestablish that, that macro perspective. And so, you know, understanding your own energy, um, and doing the things that, that it takes for you to recharge your batteries, like going for a walk or, you know, that five minute meditate or whatever it may be, um, will really help to keep you, um, focused and, and also, you know, not, not burning out, um, trying to keep up with it so those are, those are the few things. I hope that's that's helpful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, thank you. Well, can you talk a little bit more, We you said, with email, one email, one action. How does that work in practice?
2: Yeah, so going through your Outlook, um, pull up an email. The, the idea is as soon as you're looking at an email, you want to be able to action it immediately. Um, if you can't, it's going to require a lot more, more work. If you have to, you have to connect with different people, whatever it may be, then it, that creates, um, time in the calendar to come back to it. Um, the whole, the, the purpose being that you're not losing track of email, um, and you're not letting them build up. And so it's an efficient way of, of keeping on top of email, you know, without letting them sort of results in an um, email overload, if you like. So that would be in
1: contrast to, oh, got to do more stuff on that. Just skip it. You're saying, no, no, we're not going to just skip it, but rather we're going to put it somewhere. In, in this case, maybe um, an item on the calendar. So it's out of the inbox and then it's a calendar item.
2: Right. Or if it's if you don't need to respond to it, delete it. Right? Or or respond to it there and then. Um, if, if it, needs, then it requires a response. But you're not uh, creating more work for yourself in the future you're dealing with it in the moment, um, which is a, uh, enabling you to, to keep up on, on the, the constant stream of emails.
1: Mm-hmm. And so when folks are trying to go about simplifying their work, what are some of the mistakes or challenges or hangups you see folks bump into when they're embarking upon this?
2: I think make sure you have the conversations with your team and, and leaders. What you don't want is to all of a sudden the not attending a range of meetings and and potentially impacting relationships without the <laughs> the context. So, I would encourage people to sit down and just have a chance. Say, hey, you know, I, I want to be really diligent about where I spend my time, and you know, I'm clear that I, I need to achieve these things, and I'm, I'm driving towards the, these objectives, and therefore, I'm be making decisions going forward on which meetings I'm willing really to attend, or. Um, you know, how I respond to emails, whatever it may be. Um, so I think, you know, just clarify that what your intent is in approaching simplifying work.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Gotcha. Thank you.
1: Okay. Well, then anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things?
2: No, I, I think again, the opportunity is huge for organizations and for individuals. And you know? so I think taking that big step back and, and either looking at your company or at how you approach work. And thinking through strategically, how can we do the best work um, and what's most important? What are the things that are getting in the way that are sucking my time or distracting me or pulling me away from the most important activities? And what can I do or what can be done to really remove those things or redesign the way you do work to enable that that focus, I think, um, can really serve to liberate peak performance. Lovely.
1: Well, now could you share
2: with us a favorite quote,
1: something you find inspiring?
2: Well, I'm not sure about favorite quotes on the the spot. There are a couple of books that I've read recently that I really enjoyed reading that sort of reinforce a couple of important points. um, One of them is Stephen Pinter's Enlightenment Now. Have you heard of this book? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm the eternal optimist and um, I've always felt that the world is getting better. And it was just wonderful to read that book and, and to see the facts and data behind how we are actually as a society improving. I think, um, you know, from a organizational maturity perspective and, and you know, work, simplify work, I think it continues to sort of build on that idea of, of improvement, of progression. You know, we, we are now finally moving away from the you know, 20th century ways of, of managing work. Um, the you know, organizations are, becoming sort of savvy around how do you tap into people's intelligence and creativity and innovation, and it's not just about control um, anymore, which is very exciting. I think emerging technology will just continue to fuel that shift um, from an organizational structure perspective. And then the second is um, Hardwiring Happiness by Rick Hansen. And he's a neuroscientist and has written a book on how you, know, you can basically change the structure of your brain by the way that you think, and in particular, um, soaking on moments of positivity. Um, and so you can basically build more of a bias towards optimism um, and happiness and contentment. Um, and so I think building on that, you know, what I was mentioning earlier about managing the nurturing energy and the power of mindfulness and meditation, I think um, this book is pretty revealing on the science Behind actually uh, changing the structure of your brain and building the right habits.
1: Okay. Well, and can you share what's a favorite tool? Something that
2: helps you be awesome at your job? Well, I, I think it's just, you know, coming in, into work every day and, and you know, having that, that reminder of, okay, how do I, what's the most important thing to get done this day? And then immediately jumping into it. So, um, it's just that the ongoing, uh, Their reminder of okay, whatever is critical, I'm not going to put that off and do that in the afternoon. I'm going to do that out of the gate and and focus my time and energy on that one piece. So that's just uh, one orientation that guides that the work that I do.
1: Mm-hmm. And is there a particular nugget you when you share it that really seems to connect and resonate with uh, readers and and listeners?
2: I think it's just this idea of you know how do you increasingly. Tap into peak performance and we are so easily get pulled into, um, you know, distractions or get interrupted or we get stuck, um, you know, doing repeatable tasks or, um, in this form of reactivity. And I think the idea of being much more proactive and deliberate and focused, um, can really serve to, to liberate you know, peak performance can help um, people to to really tap into energy and passion um, and focus. And so I think uh, that's that's the nugget. And um, I really hope that people sort of step back and, uh, from the book and, and feel inspired by the newfound reality they can create both within the organization and their life by simplifying it.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you have a final challenge or call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: Sure. I think look for opportunities that crush stupid rules, you know, within your, your company. You know, maybe time bound it. You could try and crush one stupid rule every, every two weeks or all the meetings that come in. You know, question whether you need to attend those. Um, likewise with emails. So approach work for a critical eye. You know, what are, what are the, the things that are pulling you from top priorities? A really question for those, are. I needed and then have those conversations with, with, your teams to discuss whether, you know, all those things are necessary.
1: Mm-hmm. And Jesse, if folks want to learn more and get in touch, where
2: would you point folks? Simplify Work, the book is, um, it's available on Amazon. I'm available on LinkedIn. Um, you can contact me by email j newton at simplifywork.com. Um, and happy to get in touch and discuss the idea of simplify work.
1: Lovely. Well, Jesse, it's been a good time. I wish you lots of luck in your simplifying and all your adventures. Thank you so much. I love Jesse's take on looking for opportunities to crush stupid rules within your company. And in particular, what I've been finding when it comes to stupid rules is that they made sense at one point in time, they weren't so stupid because there was a different set of technologies or processes or people or talent or contractors or things were bigger or smaller in certain ways. There's a priority towards this thing or that thing. So whatever, things have changed and the rule is now stupid. It may not have been stupid at the beginning, but now it is. And I think that's also a great way to communicate it in terms of like, you know what? This rule has served us well in one context, but now we're in a totally new world and it's somewhat counterproductive. So I propose this instead. So I think that makes for a nice bit of storytelling And let's people save face, you know? It's like, hey, I came up with that rule. Are you saying I'm stupid? He's like, no, no, no. That served a time and a place and a function and we are grateful for it. And now it's time to embrace the new with a new rule or process or a lack of the rough to enjoy a little bit less constraint or complexity and a little bit more simplicity. So thanks to Jesse for that tidbit and more. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced or over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep409. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe to catch our next guest. It's Doug Hall. Doug has really brought a lot of rigorous science to innovation and the ability to find, filter, and fast track great ideas. So I hope to catch you there and peace.
0: Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com